this morning while uh, Call By Name takes a seat. Remember, kids' camp is underway. Take advantage of that. All right, we have been in the uh, message series about uh, worldview, looking at other uh, world religions. And uh, so today we, uh, we wrap that up, final message, we wrap that up, and uh, we're going to look at ourselves today. We're going to take some time to look at Christianity. And again, remember, we've been doing this uh, in looking at other world religions, other belief systems, and then, uh, you know, in the process kind of bringing up those differences between us. Um, today, obviously, I am not going to be able to cover uh, everything that it means to be uh, a Christian, right? I mean, there are volumes written about that. And uh, it'll, like last week, you got a 2 o'clock game you want to get to, right? Uh, so, you know, we're not going to cover everything, but what we are going to try to do is uh, lift up those things that, again, are the most important and those things that set us apart from all the other belief systems in the world, all the other belief systems uh, that we have uh, looked at and uh, just try to focus in and say, okay, what is Christianity and what's the most important stuff? So if you're ready to go, here we go. We'll start like we did with some of the others uh, with just our roots, right? Looking at, at, at our beginning. And our roots go back really to this covenant made with Abraham in, uh, in Genesis 12. And uh, the covenant's straightforward. It says, uh, God making a covenant with Abraham saying, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. Now notice the last part of the covenant. This is like a crucial part of the covenant for us, right? He's making a covenant with Abram, but he's thinking as he's making the covenant about you this morning. Way back when he started the process with Abram, he was thinking about you when he said this, and all people of the earth will be blessed through you. Who will be blessed? If you qualify for a people of the earth, you have the potential to be blessed by God. Do you see that? This is where it starts. Our roots start in this this dream, in this vision, in this purpose that God has, that he initiates in this covenant with Abraham, that he's going to start with Abraham, but that's just the starting point. Ultimately, it will lead to reaching each one of us and all those folks out there that we have yet to reach. Now, let's skip in time ahead. We go from Abram and we skip to David, the great King David, who extended the kingdom of Israel and established the the kingdom. God comes to David and he also makes a covenant with David. Now, remember, God always fulfills, fulfills his covenants. He makes a covenant with David. He said, your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me, your throne will be established, how long? Forever. You see that? Forever. God is making a deal. He's making a covenant. He's making a promise with Abraham, or with David, saying, look, David, one of your offspring, someone from the house and lineage of David, is going to sit on the throne absolutely forever. Now jump ahead a bunch of years to this prophet named Isaiah, and he makes this incredible, incredible prophecy. He says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which we all know means God with us. You got it? What's going on here? Do you see how God is moving through time in his commitment to reach your heart this morning? That he started with this covenant with Abram. 
And then he moved to David and said, look, one of your, one of your offspring is going to sit on a throne forever. And then he moved to Isaiah and said, look, a, a young woman, a virgin is going to bear a child and it's going to be God with us. You see, the fundamental principle of Christianity is that we understand Jesus is the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecies. And Jesus is the center of God's plan to reach every human heart. That's what it's about. We understand that Jesus is the absolute, utter fulfillment of all the Old Testament. And that He is the center of what God is doing in the universe to reach every human heart and restore the universe. We can go back into the Old Testament, which is in our scriptures, right? We can go back in the Old Testament and we can go through the Old Testament and look at all the prophecies that are in there about the one who is to come. And we can see that Jesus fulfills absolutely every one of those prophecies. We can see how Jesus is the absolute fulfillment and he teaches that himself. He acknowledges that's who he is. And we understand because he is who he says he is that he is also the one that now human history turns around. He is the one who is the center of God's plan to reach every human heart. Now, I know you can sit there this morning if you're a skeptic and, and if you're listening online out there, you can sit and say, oh yeah, okay. So what he's going to do is he's going to give us a bunch of Bible stuff this morning and, and prove that Jesus is who Jesus said he was because of what the Bible says, right? And you know what? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm going to do. But, but, let me qualify it and say, if you're serious about understanding Christianity, okay, it's not just the Bible that says it. There are other places, there are other writings, there are other places in history that point to the truth of what the Bible speaks about. Let me just give you one example. I can't give them all to you, right? But just give you one example, and it's absolutely an awesome example. It comes from the writings of Flavius Josephus, a, a Jewish historian, a contemporary in Jesus's time, who wrote the history of, of the Jewish wars, okay? Uh, next slide, please. And so it's in the antiquity of, of the Jews. By the way, if anybody wants to read Josephus, I got a book. It's about yay thick. It's about yay big by yay big. And the print's about yay small, okay? But anyway, this is what he said. And I'm going to read the whole thing because it's overwhelming to see an outside source, not the Bible, an outside source capturing the truth that we're going to talk about this morning. Now, there was about this time Jesus, a wise man, if it be lawful to call him a man, for he was a doer of wonderful works, a teacher of such men as received the truth with pleasure. He drew over to him both many of the Jews and many of the Gentiles. He was the Christ. And when Pilate, at the suggestion of the principal men amongst us, had condemned him to the cross, those that loved him at the first did not forsake him for he appeared to them alive again the third day as the divine prophets had foretold these and 10,000 other wonderful things concerning him and the tribe of Christians so named from him are not extinct to this day did you just hear what Josephus wrote about is that not capturing the things that the Bible says about Jesus it's not only the Bible that points us to this truth and yet we understand, obviously, the Bible is the truth. The Bible is the rule and norm for life. The Bible is that place where God speaks to our minds and to our hearts. 
The Bible is that book where Jesus reveals himself intimately to us. The Bible is the place where you and I can come to understand the truth and the only truth that exists in the universe. It's great to listen to Josephus. It's great to understand that there's other sources out there. But we understand and we know that we have the source of that truth about Jesus in the Scripture itself. And that's what we're going to look at now. We're going to look at some biblical beliefs that come to us from the Bible that make Christianity what Christianity is, but also in comparison to all these other beliefs. Now, as we start doing that, we're going to talk about a biblical Christianity. I need to clarify some things. And we're going to talk about a biblical Christianity, which means we're not going to talk about a cultural Christianity, and we're not going to talk about baptismal Christianity, and we're not going to talk about just kind Christianity. You know what those are? Yeah, cultural Christianity is that cultural Christianity that's floating out there in our world that says, well, yeah, I believe God exists, and I know about Jesus, so I guess I'm a Christian. You know some of those folks? That's kind of this cultural Christianity out there that just says, as long as you know his name, I guess you must be in, right? That's not what we're going to talk about. Uh, or baptismal Christianity is, is out there that says, well, hey, you know, I was baptized. And, uh, you know, I, I was baptized in the name of Jesus, so I guess if I'm baptized, I must be okay, and I can do whatever I want to do because, hey, I got the ticket, I'm baptized. That's not biblical Christianity. That's not what we're going to talk about this morning, right? Or the ultimate is, is, is out there. It's called kind Christianity. You know what kind Christianity is? That's the Christianity that says, well, you know, all I need to do is just, just be a kind person. I just, I just need to live a kind life, a good life. And, and after all, we all know Jesus is all about love. That's kind Christianity. Where all you're doing is just being kind. I'm not going to talk about those because that's not Christianity. Biblical Christianity is what we want to uncover uh, this morning, right? So biblical Christianity obviously uh, takes us uh, into the Scripture. And the, and the best place for us to look about the essentials is in 1 Corinthians uh, 15. And I've underlined some stuff we're going we're gonna to unpack today. And if you've got your handout with you, you know, and your pencil and stuff, you know, take it and uh, I've underlined it and you can take notes or whatever you need to do to get this, okay? Uh, but we're going to unpack uh, this whole passage and uh, the place we're going to start is up there in verse 2. Uh, in verse 2, I underlined for you, and it says, You will be saved by this message. How important is this message? This is the message that is the difference in life. See, Christianity is not just some other religion. Christianity is a truth. And this truth believes that Jesus makes all the difference in life. That Jesus is a power in life unlike anything else. That Jesus is this power in life now and that life that will lead me to eternity. Paul is telling us here that this message is a message that makes all the difference. It will save us from the life we're living right now. This message elevates our life. You see, it's a fundamental truth about Christianity. We believe that when you're a Christian, you have surrendered your life to someone greater than yourself. Amen? You get that? You're surrendering your life. You're giving over your life and saying, you know what? I know I can't do it. I know I don't measure up. 
I know it's not about me. I know that Jesus is greater and more powerful and has a better life in store for me and for my marriage and for my kids and for my career and every facet of my life. And I just simply surrender my life to Jesus Christ. Because I know and I believe that He is a power greater than myself. There are people in this room who will tell you that truth because they've lived that truth. There's people in this room, if you sit down with them and you hear about their life story, you're going to hear about experiences in their life where they met challenges, they met disappointments, they met terrible difficulties, they met loss, they met struggle. And yet when you sit down and you hear that whole story, somewhere in the middle of the story, you know what you're going to hear from them? You're going to hear the witness that says, I don't know how I would have done it without my faith. Have you heard that before? Do you understand? What are they saying? They're saying, look, I, I don't know. I could not manage life. I couldn't do life unless I had a power greater than myself involved in life. I, I can't imagine life unless I had surrendered that life to Jesus Christ and be willing, willing to live under His strength, His power, and His direction in my life. That's Christianity. Christianity says it's not about me. It is all about Jesus Christ. And I'm going to surrender myself and live under Jesus Christ. And I'm going to let go of my old life that's about me. And I'm going to live a new life that's about Him. It, it comes this way in uh, 2 Corinthians 5. Paul says, uh, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. We live a new life when we surrender that life, that old life, to Jesus Christ. And that gives us a strength we could never imagine. How's that work? Well, it gives us a strength we could never imagine because of who Jesus Christ is. If, if you go again to uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 15 there, you'll see that Paul refers to Jesus using a key word. And that key word is, like I underlined it there in uh, verse uh, 3, where he says, Christ died for our sins. Notice, who did he refer to there? Christ. He could have said Jesus, but he said Christ. Why is he saying Christ? I mean, what, what is he trying to tell us by virtue of, of using that term uh, Christ. Well, he's showing us a fundamental truth about Christianity, unlike any other belief system in the world. We believe, we understand the truth that Jesus was the pre-existent Christ who became enfleshed in our world. It's the theological way of saying Emmanuel, God with us, right? We believe that Jesus wasn't just this guy and this good teacher and this wonderful counselor, but Jesus was God taking on our human flesh to be among us. Let, let me show you how John describes it. If you go to uh, the Gospel of uh, John, in uh, John 1, and this is kind of John's Christmas story, John says, In the beginning was the one who is called the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was what? Truly God. Now he's saying when? In the beginning. So before there was anything else and there was only God, the nature of God, when there was only the nature of God, okay? Now look what he says. And that word became a human being and lived here with us. 
We saw His true glory, the glory of the only Son of the Father. From Him all the kindness and all the truth of God has come down to us. What did He just tell us? Jesus is the Christ. He is the one that we have waited for. He is the Messiah we have longed for. He is the pre-existent one who has taken on our flesh and come to be with us. Our God is not a distant God. Our God is not a vengeful God. Our God is a God who chooses to be in the middle of our life. This is what we believe. Unlike all those other systems we've talked about, this is what we know to be true. That Jesus wasn't just some ordinary guy, but that he was God taking on human flesh to come and live with us. He was divine. This is important. This is important. This is what separates us. It's so important that uh, 1 John 4 tells us, be alert now, you're going to hear lots of stuff, and this is one of the fundamentals. It says, dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. So he's going to tell you how you recognize the truth, right? You with me? Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. What do you just tell you? If it doesn't understand the truth that Jesus is the Son of God, God in flesh, you don't have the truth. The truth is the truth that Jesus is God with us. And this separates us from all the other experiences and beliefs of the world. We believe that our God cares so much about us, loves us so much, that He chooses to come toward us. He chooses to come be with us. While all the other religions want you to go toward God and try to appease God and go toward God and try to make it right with God and go toward God and try to live as good as you can possibly live so maybe you'll be good enough to be with God, we understand exactly the opposite. That God loves us so much that He chooses to bridge the gap and come and be with us. Isn't that awesome? You see, there's nothing else that believes that. Christianity teaches us that God comes to be with us. Why is this so important? Because of the next thing. That Jesus came to not just be with us, but Jesus came to bridge the gap in our failures by dying for us. If you look at uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 15 uh, again, and you look at uh, verse uh, 3 there, he says, I told you the most important part of the message exactly as it was told me. So he's going to tell us what part of the message? The most important. You see that? I mean, this isn't just anything. This is like the most important. Are you with me? This is the most important. Hello? The most important. The absolutely most important. The most important. If Paul could tell you absolutely anything about Christianity, he's now saying to you this morning, this is the most important. What's the answer? That part is, Christ died for our sins. It's the most important thing. Jesus Christ died for our sins. I can tell you there are things in my life of which I am absolutely ashamed because I don't live up to what God created me to be. And you know what? 
I know it's true about you too. Because that's who we are. The Bible makes it clear. That's who we are. We're, we're made with that incredible potential to be in the image of God, and yet we live contrary to that image. We, we live going our own way instead of going God's way. There are things in my life of which I will never discuss with anybody but God. Why? Because He came to take them out of my life. He came to take them out of my life. It's the most important thing in my life. It's the reason I can get up in the morning. It's the reason I can do what I do. It's the reason I can live with hope. Because Jesus Christ came into the world to take all of that stuff of which I am ashamed and He took it with Him on the cross. And I can take it there and I can leave it there. And I can walk away a new creation. This is the most important thing. This is the most important thing. If you're living your life today and you've got this guilt and you've got this shame and you know your failures and you're carrying those around like a ball and chain, the most important thing you can hear today is you don't have to because Jesus Christ became one of us and He died. He died so that you can be forgiven. You see, all the other world religions, they don't have that. They don't have that. They, they want you to go just try to live a better life. Did you mess up? Well, then go try to live a better life. Did you, did you not do it right? Well, just try to do it better next time and maybe you'll live a good life good enough. Now, Christianity, Christianity understands we could never do it good enough. And it takes God moving towards us and it takes God laying down His life. It takes God taking all of our guilt in all of our shame just because He loves us and putting it on the cross. Are you with me? This is all the difference for us. If you need proof of that, i got some quick scriptures I'll give you. First um, John 2 says, He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. Or Second Corinthians 5, God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Christianity says you can be forgiven. And there's proof that you can be. And the proof is something that no other religion has. The proof is the belief in the knowledge that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. That Jesus Christ rose from the dead. If you go back again to that uh, Corinthians passage, 1 Corinthians, um, or you can do it on the other one, doesn't matter. It says there that Christ died for our sins, as the scriptures say. Look at verse 4. He was buried, and three days later he was raised to life, as the scriptures say. Christ appeared to Peter, then to the twelve. After this, he appeared to more than 500 other followers. Most of them are all still alive, but some have died. He also appeared to James, and then to all the apostles. And Paul says later on, he also appeared to me. So what's all that stuff at the end? After he just kind of the underlying part there, he buried, he, three days later, he rose from the dead to life. Could have kind of stopped there. Why does he put all that other stuff there? About, you know, appearing to this one and that one and 500. What's that all about? Oh, you know what that's all about, right? Because anytime you go to share your faith with somebody and you get to this part and you start telling them how Jesus Christ died for your sins and three days later he rose from the dead, what do people say? Ah! I'm not so into this whole rising from the dead stuff. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm not so sure that this whole... Easter rising from the dead thing is, you know, right? 
Why does he put that there? He puts that there because he wants to show you beyond a shadow of a doubt the truth of what Christianity says. Okay, you're, you're in court and you're in the jury box and, and somebody's being tried and you've got one eyewitness that saw this person do the act. Is one eyewitness enough to convict him? Well, what if you had two? Would two be an overwhelming amount of evidence to convict somebody? How about three? Let's say you got three. Would three be an overwhelming number of eyewitnesses to convict somebody? You think that'd be okay, don't you? How about 500? 500! That's what Paul's putting it in there for. He's saying, look, there's at least 500 and more who saw Jesus resurrected. How much proof do you need? There's at least 500 and more who saw him resurrected. That's what he puts in, and some of them are, are alive today. Some of them died, but go talk to him. Go ask him. See, he wants us to understand this fundamental truth that Jesus not only died for us, but he rose to life. And when he rose to life, he gives us the opportunity to have life. Okay, now some of you are saying, or some of your friends out there are going to say, well, wait a minute, somebody probably stole the body. That's all it is. Somebody just snatched it, right? Now, wait a minute. Go to the account, look it over. Do you remember what they did after he died? And they rolled the stone in there? They put Roman guards in front of the tomb. You remember that? Let me tell you something. Nobody steals from a Roman guard. Don't happen. Not going to happen. There is nobody that is going to overpower Roman guards to steal Jesus' body. It's just not going to happen, right? That's why they were there. The, Christi the Christianity message, Christian message, is this incredible truth that Jesus Christ died for our sins and he rose to give us life. And not just life now, but life eternal. You're going to watch the game today at 2 o'clock? I see a bunch of green and gold out there. I assume you are. Uh, so you're going to watch the game? Now, here's your assignment for the game. You ready? While you're watching the game, I want you to, to watch in the end zones, especially for that guy that's holding up the sign that says what? John 3.16. You see that guy? Yeah. First one that sees that, you know, needs to jump up and down in the house and just say, I see it, I see it, I see it, okay? Right? Now, why does a guy stand there going, John 3.16? Well, because that's the incredible message of Christianity. That God loved us so much that He gave His only Son for us that all who believe in Him would have eternal life. You see, resurrection, it proves to us not only that our sins are forgiven, but that we can live the incredible life God wants us to live. And we don't have to stop there. We can live eternally with him. This is Christianity. Christianity believes that Jesus not only died for us, but he gave us this incredible gift of eternity with him. Now here comes one of the hard ones. You ready for the hard ones? One of the truths of Christianity is that we believe that Jesus is the only way to experience that gift. There's no other way. Let, let me give you the scriptures quick. 
It goes, John 14 says, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Or Acts 4 says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name given under heaven by which we must be saved. Now, some folks hear that and say, Well, that's really arrogant. Well, how, how can you say that? I mean, that's just really arrogant that you think you have the only way. I mean, certainly there must be another way. All I can tell you is what's true. You see, everything that we have talked about so far, everything we've talked about so far is what Christianity is. And the news of Christianity can only be found in Jesus Christ. And the only way to experience the truth of Christianity is in Jesus Christ. There's no other way. See, if I wanted to send you down to Chicago today to watch that game, you know, I'd give you directions and I'd tell you, okay, this is where you turn right, this is where you turn left, because I know this is how you can get to Soldier's Field. I've been there. It's kind of a cool place, by the way. Uh, and and uh, they won the day I was there. Um, so anyway, it, I could tell you that, right? You see, if I love you, if I love you the way God wants me to love you, I'm going to tell you what I know to be true. And I just know it to be true. There's no other way. There's just no other opportunity. There's, there's no other system in the world. There's no other religion in the world that tells you that Jesus Christ came to die for your sins and you can have a new life when you surrender to his power. And that life can be more than you ever dreamed or imagined. Why would I not tell you the truth? And that's the truth. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. And we just believe that. We just are sold out on understanding and knowing that Jesus is the answer to life. And here's the amazing thing. Everything I've shared with you today is a gift. It's a free gift. You see, all the other systems in the world, all those systems in the world want you to somehow earn it. They want you to measure up. They want you to be good enough. And you know what? I know it about myself. I'm never going to be good enough. I'm just never going to be good enough. But I know I don't have to be because the free gift of Jesus Christ is given to me. I just have to receive it. It's the, the final word I'll give you. It says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not for yourselves. It is a what? gift of God. This is the amazing truth of Christianity. It's not about us. It's about what God has done for us. You see, if you're carrying a burden today, Jesus Christ died for you. If you want your life to be more than what it is today, Jesus Christ came to give you the opportunity for that life. If you want to know that you can expend eternity with God, Jesus Christ came and rose from the dead to show you that you can. And he accomplished all of that with you in mind. Remember what he said to Abram way back in the beginning? Through you I will reach all the people. See, God had you on his mind in Jesus Christ from the very beginning. And that's what makes Christianity the truth. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today. We ask that this word would rest not just in our ears, but it would rest in our hearts, in our minds, that we would just be sold out for Christ, that we could just understand how awesome, incredible this message is, that your love for us is so great, and that we can rise to a higher level of living because we surrender 
to Jesus, that we can experience forgiveness beyond measure and have that guilt and that shame taken away because Jesus died for us, that that we can have a new life now and a new life for eternity because Jesus rose from the dead, that he is the way, that he's the truth and the only way. And all of this, a sheer gift because you look upon us from the beginning of time and you loved us even then. Father, make this real for us today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.